Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Well, it's been the topic of conversation at Utah State University for several days now, as well as making the pages of New York Times and the airwaves of NPR. After learning that USU was legally forbidden from restricting firearms at a Wednesday lecture over which uh, she received a death threat, nationally known feminist writer and video game critic Anita Sarkeesian canceled her appearance. And she says now she will not appear at a Utah school until guns are barred from state's campuses. Well, Representative uh, Kurt Oda, the Utah legislature, says she's overreacting. He says that uh, he wants to further strengthen gun rights by reinforcing Utah law, uh, allowing open carrying of guns on Utah's college campuses. In the meantime, students and faculty gathered uh, on Wednesday at USU to promote free speech and condemn threats against uh, Sarkeesian. Uh, Today on the program, we're opening the phone lines. We have Twitter, uh, email, and Facebook available to you as well. See what you think in this clash of the First and Second Amendments. Where do you think that balance should be set? Should Utah change its gun laws? How best to ensure safety and free expression on Utah's college campuses? What about Sarkeesian's message opposing how women are portrayed in video games? Our guests today include Ann Austin, director of uh, USU Center for Women and Gender, who joins us in studio. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, good to have you with us. Candy Carter-Olson uh, with the uh, USU Journalism and Communication Department joins us in, in studio. Good morning. Welcome back to the program. And uh, Matt LaPlante, also from Journalism and Communication, joins us on the phone. Welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. Welcome uh, to the program. Uh, let me open the phone lines right now. 1-800-826-1495. Love to get your take on this. 1-800-826-1495. You can join us at upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Utah Public Radio, and we're on Facebook as well. Uh, let me begin by uh, playing a bit of tape. This is recorded by our producer, um, Andrew, who uh, attended that rally. And uh, here, here's a bit of the rally. So there are several students and faculty. We will not be silenced. They're referring to this uh, threatener who, who sent a threatening email. I believe, Ann Austin, that was sent to your office, sent to, to USU somewhere. Yes, it was. It was sent to uh, myself and one other person in my office, and then it was CC'd to the president, the provost, and just about everybody else, every other office on campus. So uh, what essentially did, did this person threaten to, to do? Uh, They threatened a a massacre unlike anything ever seen on American soil to this this day, something that was akin to, or something that would be akin to the massacre in Montreal. Um, The person's demands, of course, were that Sarkeesian not speak. Right. Candy Carter-Olson, remind us of the Montreal massacre. Um, So the Montreal massacre um, was actually in 1989. And it was a man named Mark Lapine had a uh, rifle and a hunting knife, and he shot 28 people before killing himself. He said he was fighting feminism and that feminists had ruined his life, Hmm. um, which is something that we heard echoed last year in Elliot Rogers and was also echoed in the letter that was sent to uh, campus last week trying to get Anita to not speak. Um, There's this interesting strain of men who think that feminism or somehow that women getting um, equality is somehow trying to hurt men. 
Um, so he went to a university, um, a polytechnique, and he went in and he entered a classroom and he separated the men and the women. And there he shot 14 women, or sorry, nine women. And then he went down and killed 14 altogether, injured another 10 and four men in under 20 minutes before he killed himself. So this obviously had to be taken seriously, Han. Um, and, and the university, did they consult with the FBI to try to determine the threat level? And, yes, they did. And, and ultimately, university decided, let's go ahead. We, we feel we can provide protection. And Well, yes, the university had a plan in place. As, as you mentioned, they had the FBI working on it. And, of course, uh, the FBI has a commuter, computer tech um, section as well as our own great computer tech people. So um, they had a lot of people looking at it from different angles. But the university did decide that they probably could, um, probably is is not the right word, that they could provide adequate protection for her. Yeah. And in the end, uh, Ms. Arkeesian pulled out. Yes, yes. She felt the protection wasn't adequate. She was concerned about um, the fact that we would have no metal detectors there, Mm -hmm. um, that backpacks would not be searched, and so on. And uh, she cited other places where she's gone where where, uh, police have Mm -hmm. uh, accommodated her on this. Yes. You can understand, you know, you've had death threats. Oh, yes. And uh, but part of this whole thing is is the uniqueness of Utah Mm -hmm. and Utah's gun laws. Uh, Matt LaPlante, what's what's your top take on on this? What first came to your mind when you when all of this uh, came to light? Oh, I'm just sad, Tom. I think it's a it's a terrible moment when anybody acting irrationally, uh, violently acting as a bully gets their way, and that's um, unfortunately what happened in this case. Um, that the uh, the bully won, and um, you know the, the good news is that what this has incited um, is a longer term discussion and a more rational discussion under more rational terms about um, what kind of campus we want, uh, the role of um, women in our media, um, and uh, the long-term result of this, I think, is going to be a, a, a victory. Anytime, anytime you incite a conversation, a reasonable and rational conversation, that even if, if the bully won early on, long-term, uh, our campus is going to be a better place and our world a better place. Mm. Right. Let me follow up, Matt. Um, I think you tweeted a, a couple of alternatives, including, uh, in fact, under Utah law, this could have been held, I guess, at a church-owned facility or a private home. Um, yeah, one of the things I'd really like to see very early on in response to this, when I look, we're not going to change Utah's laws. Utah's laws are what they are, um, and um, there are very reasonable and rational people who believe in these laws and believe that they're good for our society. Now, I, I don't necessarily, but that doesn't really matter, because politically speaking, that's not going to change. Um, concealed carry is a law of the land. There are legislators who want to even uh, strengthen that law to, to make open carry on campus possible. Um, I, I don't think this, that we're going to diametrically change this fact. What we can do, though, uh, almost immediately, is identify places off of campus, private institutions, that will make themselves available as free speech zones. And I hate, I hate to think that, like, you have to go off campus to go to a private place for a free speech zone. But if a speaker like, uh, like Anita Sarkeesian is threatened and feels not, 
that they don't have the ability to, to say what they need to say in an environment where they can't be sure that somebody's not going to pull out a gun and, and you know, carry out a threat that they've made. Um, you know, there, there are buildings, there are, there are um, businesses, there are private citizens with large homes very close to campus that could be uh, accommodative of these situations. And so even though that's not a great long-term solution, I think the first, the very short-term solution is that every campus in Utah should identify uh, a, a private backer who's willing to take on events like this in, in the event of threat. And Austin, I don't know, in the middle of this, you're just dealing, and USU authorities are dealing with, with the problem at hand. Looking to the future, would, would you consider doing that, bringing in a, oh, a, another speaker? Oh, have it Have it on, you know, private property or yes. a church facility? Yes, definitely, I, I would. But I, I do want to um, make a comment relative to what uh, Mr. LaPlante said. Um, I mean, I appreciate your optimism, but um, I have to say that it really has put Utah in a very bad light once again, and that really hurts my heart. You know, I uh, actually one of the things that Anita said to me um, as she was kind of closing the deal and saying, I'm not going to come, she said, um, you can understand how I feel, Anne, but even if you can't, it's Utah. It's not New York. It's not Massachusetts. And, and I thought, that's very, very sad. Mm. So you, you think this puts Utah Absolutely in a bad light? Right. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. And, and it perpetrates stereotypes that people have about Utah. Mm-hmm. It, it's not okay. Yeah. Candy, <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what do you think on that? Yeah, I completely agree with Anne, and um, and I also agree with Matthew that we need to have places that are free speech zones. But as a journalism and communication professor, I really feel like our university should be our free speech zones. If students can't take challenging ideas here and now, where are they going to take them? Yes. Um, we get more set in our ideas once we graduate. We're not as willing to experiment. In fact, we get into these echo chambers. Um, and we deliberately set up those echo chambers. Universities should be places where Anita Sarkeesian can come. And even if you don't agree with her, you go and hear her just to hear what she has to say and figure out why you don't agree with her. Mm. Yes. And and where do – let me direct this to Matt LaPlante. Where do – guns then enter in does, does it make the situation potentially more unstable do you i don't know just your regular walk on campus matt do you look i i less, live less in safe? utah um I, yeah i think there is there is fair reason for people to have the perception that it makes uh the, the guns on campus make the campus a uh less safe place for uh, free expression. But let, let's be real clear and real rational here. There's no such thing as a gun-free campus on, in, in this country. Cheers. There's not. There are campuses with gun-free rules, but we don't learn in walled cities with you know, metal detector-protected entryways. Uh, and so I don't care if you're at the University of Oregon in Eugene or um, you know, the University of Wisconsin or in New York City, uh, we don't live... It, you know, in these kinds of environments. There are guns on every campus in this country. Um, now, I, now, I'm not one of those people who says, well, you know, if you, if you create a law that says you have a gun-free campus, you're only going to take guns away from law-abiding citizens, because I think, quite frankly, like, you know, rational or what you could call rational gun owners are going to ignore those laws too, right? So, so what we have is a situation where there are guns on campus, and what we need are rational rules and rational approaches to tackling 
the issue of free speech in an environment where that is the status quo. And in the United States, like it or not, and I don't like it, but in the United States, that is the status quo. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more on this. We'll talk about guns, obviously. We want to talk about Anita Sarkeesian's message. Don't want that to be lost in all of this. The idea of feminism as well, and and why that just the idea of feminism apparently really, really, really bothers some people to the point where we assume this is a man is sending death threats, essentially electronically stalking Alita Sarkeesian, and there have been other instances. Um, We'll uh, hear some more uh, tape from the recent rally uh, for uh, free speech and against uh, censorship of this type on the USU campus when we come back. More following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and USU Partners in Business 38th Annual Accounting Conference, October 23rd at the USU Eccles Conference Center. Information relevant to today's accounting environment, including tax laws, audit updates, and financial statement reporting. Details at partners.usu.edu. Recycling old computers, there's a market out there, but be careful. Now the highest bidders are people who just want to buy the electronics from the government to pull out the hard drives and reverse engineer the information. How to safely dispose of e-waste. I'm Steve Kerwood, and that's next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Wednesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about the recent incident on uh, USU campus. Everybody's talking about it still on campus, uh, maybe where you are as well. It hit the national press. Um, Anita Sarkeesian, who is a uh, feminist, uh, she uh, is a video game critic, uh, critiques uh, video games for their portrayals of women. Um, and uh, her message apparently really, really angers someone, uh, at least one person. We're assuming it's a man uh, who uh, who sent a threatening email to uh, one of our guests, Ann Austin, and some other people on campus, and uh, that created a firestorm. Um, the, the university eventually, after consulting with the FBI, decided to go ahead with the event, but Ms. Sarkeesian uh, pulled out, citing... Um, the, the, the fact that they could not put up uh, metal detectors and uh, pat down people for firearms. The university said, well, our hands are tied, which they are. The Utah uh, legislature has specifically made a law saying that uh, we, the legislature, create gun laws. You, um, universities, do not. And uh, this all came to light after University of Utah tried to restrict guns a couple of years ago. I think we all remember that. We're talking about this clash of amendments, free expression of the First Amendment. Uh, being abridged, perhaps, by uh, complications with the Second Amendment, at least here in Utah. And uh, feminist message and video games, all of these are interesting topics. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. We're asking you, where do you think the balance should be set between First and Second Amendments? Uh, should Utah change its gun laws? What about this idea of free speech zones on campus regarding guns? How best to ensure safety and free expression on Utah's college campuses? And what about Sarkeesian's message?
message posing how women are portrayed in video games. Uh, and you're all of this uh, fodder for your comments. Love to have your uh, your take on this. You can join us at upraxis at gmail.com. You can join us on Twitter at Utah Public Radio, on Facebook, and uh, our phone number is 1-800-826-1495. We're joined by Ann Austin, Director of USU Center for Women and Gender, and from the USU Journalism and Communication faculty, Candy Carter-Olson and uh, Matt uh, LaPlante. Let's hear a bit more tape from uh, this rally. USU students and faculty rallied uh, after uh, uh, Sarkeesian pulled out, and the, the, the... I guess the object of their rally was was this threatening letter. They they understood, I think, about USU's decision. Uh, so let's uh, let's hear from uh, Matthew Staley next, if we we could, uh, Andrew. My name is Matthew Staley. M A T T H E W S T A H E L I. And your first question was, why are we here today? Well, I think that there has to be some kind of demonstration to show that censorship is not appropriate on campus, especially peaceful ideas like equal rights for women. So that's why I organized the event with the help of Ali Johnson today. So I don't want this kind of threatening behavior to be reinforced by having everyone shy into the shadows because of these threats. So I think that it's important to kind of make a stand and to show whoever made these threats that censorship was not going to be tolerated on a university setting. So that's Matthew Staley. Uh, Matt LaPlante, you, you said earlier, unfortunately, in, in this kind of incident, in the short term anyway, the bully wins. Uh, the rally is sort of pushing back on that. We, you know, we don't want uh, the censorship of, the, of this kind uh, bridging free speech. Um, what do you think of uh, Matt Staley's comments there? What, what did you think of the rally? Um. I, I, and not to be, um, I, I think it was, it was a noble cause. Um, I don't want to be offensive to the people who organized it. I actually um, think it was disappointing that more people didn't show up. I mean, it was, you know, a few dozen people, maybe a few score people. Uh, it was great to see those people. Um, it's unfortunate that more of the campus didn't stand up in a, in a meaningful way, either in the rally or in social media, um, you know, stand up and say, no, this is not okay on our campus. It's not okay to bully people this way. It's not okay to threaten violence because we disagree with, um, you, because we disagree with somebody's ideas. This is not okay and we're going to stand against this. I, I, I would have liked to have seen a bigger campus reaction. Um, I, I was proud of the people who showed up. I was proud of the people on social media who stood up, but, um, I was a little disappointed in my campus last week. Candy, you were you were shaking your head affirmatively to some of those comments. What uh, what do you think? Um, I I I actually think it was good that as many people showed up as did because it was a very last minute thrown together rally, um, and they did what they could to get the message out. It was probably about an hour and a half before it happened that they mm-hmm. were getting the message out. So, you know, fifty to sixty people showing up, I think, mm-hmm. was pretty good for something at the last minute, but. On the same time, um, you know, I talked about it in, in both of my classes that, well, in one of my classes that day and in another professor's class that day. And um, students really need to talk about these things. They felt 
Um, they felt scared to talk about it. They felt upset that this had happened. And I think something larger scale, something that had had more time to inform more people to be there would have been really healing for the campus um, and good for students. Um, I don't know if you agree, Anne, but I, I think I was proud of the people who did show up for the rally just because it was so last minute. I agree with what you say. I, um, I I think that the people, I think that, that given how last minute it was, and that is not a criticism, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that the turnout was astounding. And actually, I'd like to point out that we had uh, fairly equal numbers of men and women. Right. And we had quite a few that men. Nice. Yes, we had quite a few men who were carrying signs that said, I too am a feminist, which really pleased me because they understand what feminism means. It's not just a woman thing. It's for everybody. Um, we had all ages there. We had a dad who was carrying a sign that said, uh, dads for feminism. So um, yes, it would have been very nice if we had had a thousand people. But on the other hand, we really had a nice showing given the the uh, forewarning, so to speak. Right. And I was so proud of the students. They they did this all on their own, really. Uh, and so, Matt, you're you're right. saying that. Well, you, can I push back on yeah, that yeah, a little? Yeah, it, it, go ahead. Look, I, I'm not I, I'm not denigrating the people who showed up. I'm not saying that they, or, or the organizers. I don't think I don't think it's their fault. What I'm talking about is a campus response to what is one of the gravest violations of our academic community that I've seen since I've been a professor a professor at USU. If if the quarterback of our university, our university's football team, uh, tweeted right now that he was going to be um, in the middle of the quad, you know, signing autographs, right? We would have had a bigger turnout than we did for a rally uh, defending the rights of the university as a whole, not just feminists, the university as a whole, to be safe in its uh, in its space. Um, so, so again, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the people who organize this thing. Um, I'm disappointed in my university that this didn't become a bigger topic. I'm glad it was a topic of conversation in some classes. Um, I'm disappointed that it wasn't a topic of conversation in all classes. I'm, I'm disappointed that as a university community, the, uh, Greek system, the fraternities and the sororities, every club on campus, every professor on campus, every administrator on campus didn't stand up more forcefully and say, no, it's not okay to threaten violence to ideas that you disagree with. And we're all going to stand together on this. Mm. Right. We'll uh, talk as we go along about what we, you know, what we suggest or what you you uh, would suggest uh, that, that we do as a university uh, campus and indeed in the state of Utah, uh, because this will, I'm sure this will be going to the legislature. Uh, it may be going the opposite direction from what many want. Representative Voda wants to open up gun laws, for example. Uh, you are welcome to join this conversation at 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on email at upraxis at gmail.com. This is uh, being much tweeted, and I'll get to a couple of those. You can join us on Twitter at Utah Public Radio. Uh, Candy is tweeting as we go along. Thank you for that. And uh, Pat Bagley from the Tribune. Um, also uh, put put this question out, and in response to that, Jordan says, um, uh, let's see, what it, let me get his first comment first. If a speaker wants a gun-free zone, um, the, here there are already avenues for that. They can reschedule the event into a private event or a private uh, private home. Uh, so that that's always an option, or a church, right, And Austin? But I, 
but I think the you know the point, and that's that is an option. But the point is, university ought to be the free speech zone. Right? Oh, exactly. Universities were are where I mean, our whole enterprise is a free exchange of ideas, and. Um, we know that when students leave the university that um, they leave largely with the ideas that they came with, how, which is unfortunate. However, we hope that during their time at the university that they will have at least expanded um, their awareness of the world and their tolerance for different points of view. And I also want to say that, um, yes, I, I do think that it's a wonderful idea to go to a private venue. However, I think it's, on the other hand, a very... Um, uh, it's it's very pathetic to think that we would have to leave the university this free speech zone. And in addition to that, to think that we would go to a church. Churches have traditionally been the organizations that have abridged women's rights. And so then to go to a church to talk about feminism, gee, what a contradiction. <laughs> but uh, I... I Look, like I, I could not disagree more. There are churches that have abridged women's rights, but um, I think to denigrate all of religion um, and all religious groups and organizations, including some churches that have stood forcefully for women's rights for decades, if not centuries, is is overstatement. Let me go to this uh, next uh, tweet. Uh, this is from Mike. He says, "If politicians, if Utah politicians cared about guns the way they care about alcohol." Imagine the restrictions. So a comment from, from Mike. <laughs> and uh, then Jordan again uh, says, I try not to sound like I have no empathy, but it's a balance between gun rights and freedom of speech. Um, and and uh, I guess that's what we're trying to achieve, uh, a balance. And where, But the question is, where does the balance lie? Yes. In, in this case, fear won, and it squashed free speech. Okay. Right. Fine. So do we say then that the balance lies more with gun rights, more with free speech? How do you balance that? Mm-hmm. What, on that, what, what do you think? I'll direct this to Anne first. What do you think of Anita, Anita Sarkeesian's um, recent comments in the papers that um, not only will she not be coming back to Utah until Utah changes its gun laws, but she's going to be encouraging other speakers, other feminist speakers from, from boycotting Utah as well. I was really sad to hear that. Um, I'm sorry that, that she made that statement. And actually, um, it has influenced some people. We had a speaker lined up for Women's History Month in March, and um, that person's administrative assistant called me um, after Anita's comments and, and said, you know, we're really scared to send our person out and our person is afraid as well. And so unless you, you talk and change its stance, she will not be coming. Um, I, I am, I'm sorry that Anita made that statement. I, I wish that her comments could have been confined just to herself and her own experience. But um, just like Mr. LaPlante pointed out, I made a sweeping statement about religions um, in difficult situations, oftentimes we will make broad statements. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's hear another piece of tape from the rally. This is uh, Zachary Johnson. We, we, we had a couple, and, and I'm, uh, maybe, maybe I'm uh, guilty of, of an infraction here. I'm, I'm uh, going more to the men here. But I want to make a point that, uh, and, and Zachary Johnson's uh, comments here, uh, indicate that there are men who are feminists, right? Consider oh, yes, oh, yeah. feminists. definitely. So I, I wanted to underline that. So here's Zachary Johnson at that rally. Feminism is a it's a touchy word. It, it can have a lot of different meanings um, or interpretations, I should say. Um, 
while I think that some people do have honestly a different view of feminism than I do, I was really upset that they canceled the the speaker because of it. Um, and I just wanted to support the cause somehow, um, or at least what I believe the cause should be, even though some opinions may differ. And let's go to uh, Jenna. I, I, I can't read this. Uh, Jenna, anyway. <laughs> And I read the email last night, and I, I, was, I was a little scared, I'm not going to lie, because any shooting is, is terrifying. And I was a little bit confused and angered, because he called the speaker a whore, and then uh, just insulted feminists as general, and said that feminists ruined his life. And I'm like, how is feminism ruin your life when feminism is trying to support men and women. And I feel like people forget that feminism supports men just as much as they do women because it has feminism, femme, female, but it's about men and women, you know? Like, men get made fun of if they're weaker or do something less than manly or if they're virgins. And I want to stop that just as much as I want to stop as a, a woman being called a whore because she's wearing a short skirt. It's, it's about being treated the same way in political status, economic, and social. Like this, moral of the story is: is a man should be able to show his emotions and do figure skating just as much as a woman should be able to play football and say she never wants children. Like, we should be able to treat be treated equally. And a vast generalization of any large group is never fair to the individual. So, because like, they assume that. Men can't get raped because all men want sex all the time, but that's not true. Men have the right to say no just as much as women have the right to say no. And that's what feminism is about, is supporting the equality of the sexes, that we have our own free will. And I can act this way because I'm a human, and a man can act this way because he's a human. And that's how I feel. Libby, uh, we got, we got to get your microphone up. Let's see. Okay, there you go. Okay, I remember when she made the comment at the rally. It was a brilliant statement. Yeah. And it, it hit me particularly because um, in child development, where I, I hold rank, um, my male students are treated differently than my female students. And I feel like uh, there's more suspicion of them uh, when they want to go into labs and child care centers and so on, then there certainly would be for the females and certainly is for the females. So it's you see this inequality all over, and that is what feminism is trying to address. Mm. Candy, I wonder, um, I, I, I think one of the things we're trying to do is get into the head of this. Uh, this We assume it's a man who's sending mm-hmm. these threatening emails. There have been other instances. Did he? Okay, so we we he did verify that. And yes. So apparently, uh, Nita Sarkeesian's message and feminism in general really, really bugs him. And I, Mm -hmm. I I think for a lot of us, we're wondering why. What's, you know, why why is it getting under his skin so much? Well, I mean, I can't speak for why it's getting to him, but I mean, a lot of critiques of feminists is that we're trying to take men down we're trying to somehow elevate women over men but the essential underpinning of feminism is that we want the equality of the sexes and as that student said if a man wants to go into early childhood development as we do need more male teachers and role models in elementary schools it's a huge need he shouldn't be teased for it Um, If a woman wants to play football and she's strong enough and fast enough, she shouldn't have to stand for every single woman who wants to play football. She should be able to speak for herself and her own skills. Um, 
so again, I can't get into his head and I kind of don't want to because it's a really nasty, scary place in there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people have this image of feminists as we're just a whole bunch of man maters, man haters. I'm married. I have twins. I, um, I, I speak or mentor my male students just as much as I do my female students. I think it's important for everybody to understand that we are in this together. Um, paternity leave is just as important as maternity leave. Um, it's just one cause. Um, there's all sorts of things out there that feminism is working on to make the world a better place. I call it, you know, uh, this is the rhetoric of human rights is what we're really here for. The fact that um, there are so many countries out there where women are married off between the ages of 12 and 18, that's a travesty. That we're still, um, sex trafficking is still huge. That's a travesty. Um, It's been shown that if women are able to work, that society and economies get stronger. Um, that if women are educated, societies and economies get stronger. Um, so keeping one half of the population down, actually a little bit more because women are 51% of the population, down, trying to keep them from getting education and from getting good careers and from um, from being equal hurts everybody. It's not just women. Mm. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll get uh, Matt LaPlante's take on this, but first... Um uh, I should point out, uh, April, our web manager and social media manager, uh, is taking me to task here in an email. Uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned Pat Bagley asking the question, "What do you think?" She says, "That's my question, not Mr. Bagley's." But, but we do thank, <laughs> we do thank Mr. Bagley for retweeting it, and I, in my uh, uh, tweeting innocence, um, didn't notice that. But yes, it is from Utah Public Radio. So the question we're putting out there is, uh, is uh, what do you think? Uh, about this, uh, uh, what do you? Where do you think the balance should be? Uh, should we have uh, free speech zones, and uh, should the, the laws be changed in Utah? And what about Arnita Sarkeesian's message? And what about feminism in general? Before we take a break, Matt Laplante, what do you what do you think on this? Uh, the whole issue of uh, feminism, and do you think this is the, the the prominent message from from all of this that we should take? Is it guns? Is it free speech? What 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 is the biggest takeaway here? Um. I- you know, I, I have a very simple view of feminism. My view of feminism is that my daughter deserves the exact same uh, opportunities, rights, and treatment uh, as everyone else. Uh, and that applies to everyone else's daughter and mother and sister uh, as well. Um, beyond that, you know, at least for me, yeah, this is an issue. I mean, certainly you, you can't separate what happened here from the very... Um, the very violent and, um, quite frankly, disgusting way that uh, people who stand and identify themselves as feminists, particularly women, unfortunately, who stand and identify themselves as feminists and dare to speak about this very simple notion that women should be treated equally, um, this reaction that they're getting. Uh, And so we do need to have a conversation about that as well. I think the the meta conversation is certainly about free speech uh, as a whole. You know, this is not just going to happen to Anita Sarkeesian, right? This is going to happen to everyone. It can happen to everyone. If if it can happen to her, it can happen to me. It can happen to a conservative commentator. It could happen to a, a Nobel Prize winner. Um, 
and in Utah, it's probably fair to point out it could happen to a Mormon prophet, right? right. Um, and so, for me, the the meta issue here is, of course, free speech, but we can't we can't disassociate that from the very um, uh, disgusting reaction to uh, to Anita's message and to the message of many feminists. And you wanted to say something here. Uh, I uh, it is. I, I guess you could say it's a simple message, but actually there are layers and layers and layers of um, difficulties for feminisms, feminists, whether they're men or they're women. And so one of the things that feminism stands for is looking at all the many, many intersections in a person's life, uh, life. the intersection of race, for example, race, right. um, religion, um, economics, and so on and so forth. So, yes, it is um, equal opportunity, but it's equal opportunity in the service of understanding those intersections, understanding the many layers of um, disenfranchisement, and then trying to address those things. We have a call coming in, and we have this email. By the way, uh, we're uh, we're winding down, and if you'd like to get your question or comment in on this uh, this topic, uh, Anita Sarkeesian's uh, event, her speech that uh, was to be and and then wasn't, uh, she pulled out when uh, USU could not guarantee that it would be a gun free zone at her at her speech. Their hands are tied by state law, and so there's a lot of different layers here. Most interestingly, a clash of the first and second amendments. Also, the message about the video game culture and and the like. Uh, here is the uh, email. We'll go to this first and then the uh, caller. Uh, this is from Dick in Logan. He says, and I'll, I'll direct this to uh, Ann Austin because it talks about the pre-planning. Uh, from a public relations perspective, Dick says, it seems that there is a major failure in the pre-planning for this event. If a speaker wanted a gun-free venue, the speaker should have specified that in the speaking contract. USU's policy governed by state law is hardly a secret. While it's primarily the speaker's responsibility, the university should have made the policy clear in the contract negotiation stage. When the university felt the venue was safe, the speaker should have made her speech. So there's a couple of points there. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, the speaker did. Uh, the speaker's administrative assistant did let us know that she had had numerous threats, and that she would like to have the police aware of her presence on campus. And so, uh, we did do that, and and the police spoke with the administrative assistant a couple of times. Um, but that's an interesting take. That then there should have been some research and some decision made on the part of the speaker. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see perhaps now there'd be a paragraph going out to speakers mm-hmm. saying we, we can't mm-hmm. guarantee a gun-free zone, yes, having had this yes. experience. That's a very helpful comment, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and what, Tom, part yes, of that go comment, ahead. though, that I think is particularly unhelpful is um, this uh, idea, and it's been echoed many times, that the, 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 the commenter said that, that uh, Anita should have made her speech. You know, when, when the university told her everything was safe, that she should have made her speech. And I've heard, you know, uh, Curtis Oda call this overreacting. I've heard my own students say, well, she should have, you know, she should have taken whatever, even if there was a little risk, she should have done it. That's victim blaming, right? That's nothing short of victim blaming. This woman was bullied. She was, she was forced to make a terrible decision, and she made a decision that was not just in what she believed in her best interest, but also what she was concerned may be the best interest for the people who would be attending that meeting. So I, I really hate it when I hear people say, um, you know, well, she should have stood up and done it. You know, she was overreacting. 
Um, I, I would like to think that I'm the kind of person who, in a similar situation, would have stood up and said, screw this, I'm giving my speech anyway. Um, but if I put my daughter in that situation, right, if, if, I put, if I had a son, if I put my son in that situation, in the exact same situation, as a parent, I would be terrified by the notion that given the, the, the violent nature of that threat, that they would still be standing up there. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Unless you've received a death threat, I guess you can't you right. can't presume to speak for the for the person, and she's received several. Uh, we next go to a uh, caller from Washington County. This is Betty. Welcome to the program, Betty. Good morning. I'd just like to comment on what was just said. I said, did they want her to wear full body armor? Um, that's that's all I want to say about that. The main reason that I called is that I'm an older woman. And um, I was involved in the original feminism push about more than 40 years ago. And it is almost inconceivable to me that we are still talking about this, that feminism has any kind of connotation in the negative at all. Uh, why, why, why has it taken all these years and, and hardly uh, when I hear these things, hardly anything has changed, at least in some societies. I think that the majority of us do understand that, that there is equality and should be equality without it being threatening to either side. But to even be having uh, the conversation, and, and I don't remember death threats back then, but there was a heck of a lot of jeers and um, cursing and all of that sort of thing uh, uh, heaped on those of us that were participating in uh, feminist movement back in the early 70s. Just my perspective, and I appreciate this program. It was very interesting. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. You can call as well at 1-800-826-1495, toll-free from anywhere you are. We have uh, another five minutes or so left in the program. 1-800-826-1495. Email is upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at Utah Public Radio, and we're on Facebook as well. You can get a comment uh, through to us uh, there. Uh, so uh, I want to uh, turn next to uh, Matt LaPlante. Uh, you said uh, earlier that uh, you felt in the, in the short term, unfortunately, the bully won. Obviously, the, the, the speech is canceled. In the long term, you feel like uh, that this, this, this can be a win for, for the message that Ms. Sarkeesian is, is trying to get out and for free speech. Uh, how so? What, what, needs to be, what needs to happen? Um, we need to talk about it. We need to continue to talk about it, and we need to um, uh, use this as a um, spark that lights a larger fire in a conversation about um, about the ability of people to have these messages uh, about about what uh, the, the very message that Sarkeesian is talking about, uh, you know, which was really proven by. This, this horrible, horrible threat that she and our campus received. I think in order to have a long-term benefit from this, um, we need to have that conversation. Uh, I also think that this gives us an opportunity to go back to a debate that we were having back in 2004 about the place of guns on campus. I think the effort made back at that time to ban guns entirely on campus was fairly foolhardy. It was, it was never going to be successful in the state of Utah. I think what reasonable people should have been fighting for then and what they should probably be fighting for now are very reasonable restrictions on firearms at large events. 
right. uh, provided that there is security in place to ensure that it's not just law-abiding citizens who give up their arms. And I'd also like to see our state legislature that will be convening uh, in just a couple of months here uh, consider um, legislation that would, upon recognition of, like, let's say, a reasonable threat on the part of an investigating law enforcement agency, give institutions like our university the authority to take really reasonable precautions. Um, but again, with the, with the proviso that those precautions be taken equally across the board and that any restrictions be announced with as much advance warning as possible, because what we don't want is a situation where we're, we're taking away the ability for law-abiding citizens, concealed weapons carriers, to hear a message because they show up in an event unaware that it's going to be a gun-free event. Uh, I, I think these are some fairly reasonable um, things that we can have a discussion about. If we get away from this kind of black and white, we're not going to have guns on campus, we are going to have guns on campus um, kind of debate. We, we've got to find some, some reasonable uh, room in the middle. Uh, we are uh, coming down to the end. We have about uh, four minutes left. I want to get this uh, Facebook post in. This is from Daniel. Daniel says, I want to make myself clear here. The threat that was made was illegal, and if the person who made it is found, I believe that he should be severely prosecuted. However, free speech zones and gun rights are not incompatible. The issue uh, was that the speaker wanted all guns barred from the event, including those carried by all, uh, by who uh, those who carry concealed weapon uh, carry permits. Having done a fair amount of research on this subject, I can uh, say that the percentage of uh, concealed carry firearm uh, permit holders that commit violent crimes is vanishingly small. Uh, she would have been safer talking about Anita Sarkeesian among a thousand uh, permit holders than among a thousand people randomly picked. I think that she was seriously discounting the fact that most, if not all, of the people at the event who were illegally carrying a firearm would have been on her side had things gone sour. And so I think that well states the uh, the gun rights uh, side of this. Any any comment? Yeah, what he misses yeah. is that in Utah it takes uh, a matter of hours to get a concealed permit, uh, a concealed carry permit. Uh, Just the, for the right. ability for Utah yeah. to get that permit is laughingly easy, and it's also something that should be uh, reassessed in our society. Yeah, you, you, you think that should be addressed? The, Absolutely. The, the, the permitting process. Uh, at the end here, just a couple of minutes left, uh, I'd like to get a couple of quick comments on uh, Anita Sarkeesian's message. I think that obviously that should not be lost in all of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe starting with, with Candy, um, the, the message about gaming culture, and as Ms. Sarkeesian sees it, uh, far too misogynistic the way women are portrayed in gaming and I, games. I, it, she has 100% worth of a point. Um, how when women are consistently portrayed as victims, as kicking bags, um, basically punching bags, um, as targets in video games, how does somebody who is playing those all the time turn it off when they're not playing their video games? Um, it's damaging, particularly because a lot of young kids are playing these games. Women need to be portrayed in as many diverse roles in video games as they are in real life. Um, and it's sort of a cultural critique across the board. It's not just video games. I mean, we can look at um, blockbuster movies where women are continually the sex object or the woman who's going to be beaten up. Um so she has a point. 
And uh, 30 seconds, we'll give uh, Ann Austin the last word in the program. Uh, at the rally, there there was a little contingency of gamers who came up from the community and, and visited with me. And one of the gamers said, you know, I really love my games. And to me, it's not a synthetic reality. It's a real, it's another reality. But she said that where she objects is that women are not treated realistically. In other words, right. if they're in a full combat zone, the guys are in all this chain metal and uh, chain mail and so on. But women are wearing bikinis chain mail yeah and so she feel I mean obviously that's not realistic to the situation mm-hmm. and um, she feels like the talents as well as the abilities are not realistically portrayed it's you know you can have less attractive women and women of different body types and she doesn't see that in the games we will leave it there for time much more to be said on this and you can still join us uh, at Utah Public Radio and on our on our uh, website and uh, by email as well. We thank Candy Carter Olson and Matt LaPlante from USU Journalism and Communication Faculty and Ann Austin, Director of USU Center for Women and Gender. Thanks all for coming Thank out you. Thanks, Tom. And uh, stay with us. We have much more to come. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Kern Brothers Artisan Bread in Logan, open Monday through Friday until 3 p.m a wholesale retail company dedicated to crafting a selection of artisan breads and pastries using old-world techniques of preparation and baking. Information at crumbbrothers.com. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. Thank you for listening to Access Utah. The time now is 10 o'clock.